As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. It is Friday, October 28th. Thanks for checking out the Can't Wait podcast. I'm Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes, Marissa Morris. It has come to this. The Mike White era of Jets football has arrived. We're getting you ready for the Jets and Bengals on Sunday. Thanks for checking us out. YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen. If you can, give us a review. We'd love that. We got plenty to get to, guys. We got hashtag let Mike cook. That is back in action. <laughs> Connor is uh, pushing it on Twitter. CJ Mosley also probably back. He's been practicing all week. We're also going to uh, compare the first six games of the Joe Burrow career to Zach Wilson's. And we'll talk about the Bengals as a whole uh, and how far they've come in a year. And certainly it's something that Jets fans would love to see happen here in New York. But full disclosure as we start this podcast is that uh, baby McMaster, Ailey McMaster, is in nap time right now. Mom is not home, so I'm trying to not talk too loud. Daddy daycare. We don't want to wake the baby uh, because then I got to go and you guys are going to have to take it the rest of the way. But but that's going on right now. That, so that's a first hurdle for us on this podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is new new day and age. We've never had babies to worry about before. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I do appreciate you guys bending and, and all that stuff for uh, for me to do the podcast now because... And Marissa, who can't do it tonight. I mean, we're not going to let her her slide under the radar. But uh, Flacco's talking today. So normally, like Fridays, are I do the podcast. And then because the podcast runs through that, I'm not going to drive up to talk to like the two random players that the Jets bring out today. So we do the podcast and then I go. But uh, with Flacco talking today, I got to get up there. So I'm going to miss Sala, who talks at 10. But I mean, I can you can watch that live. I just can't ask questions. So I'm basically doing the podcast till 10, taking a quick shower and then jumping up to go talk to Flacco to get a story done. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's unfortunate how this one's shaped up. And, you know, we could have done it tonight and talked a lot about what Joe Flacco does. But, you know, Marissa has to go, you know, do whatever Marissa does. I have a meeting with the rabbi for my wedding. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's, not that's like I'm like it's, going out to a bar. Or something. It's not a rabbi. She's going to Home Depot to find out what kind of chair they're gonna have to so that we can all lift Michael up and down. Marissa's gonna be easy. Yeah. Like, we're gonna fling Mar- Marissa. You better you better have like a seatbelt on that chair. 
when we're at yeah, the wedding because you're, you're going to be flying everywhere. I think Michael's the one where it's going to be like, Ooh, who's picking him up? Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Um, you know, Michael is Jewish. Um, and so I've never done this before. But, you know, obviously we're combining both of our uh, cultures and religions and stuff like that. So I'm very excited for it. But yeah, I, I want to make sure the chair doesn't break for him, not for me. And B, want to make sure I don't go through the ceiling. But uh, it should be should be exciting. So, yep. Well, we, can't, we can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, say that. Uh, all right, so on to the Jets, and it's been an interesting week. Um, there was Jimmy the- transition. That was a good one. That almost <laughs> went through my bike over my head. That was that was one of your better ones. That was one of your. I'll give you that. That was one of your better ones. I I completely right. missed that for a second. I was like, oh shit, that, that was good. That was good. Yeah, good job. I love well, when I do the good transition, and then we just have to stop the show to recognize to acknowledge. <laughs> the, yeah, to acknowledge the good transition. Yeah. Um. It's been an interesting week. It looked like it was going to be the Mike White show. And then the Jets went and signed Joe Flacco. Then Joe Flacco, according to to him, because of personal reasons that the Jets were aware of, was not going to be able to make it to North Jersey until today, which you just discussed. You'll be talking to him today, Connor. Um, And so it is the Mike White show, at least for one week. And we'll see how it goes. But setting that up, when you look at the Bengals and you look at this game and Mike White with now less than a game under his belt as a quarterback in the NFL. This will be his first career start. What can we expect from this guy? Well, I mean, here's the thing is that when he went in the game on Sunday, God, I've tried to block that one out of my memory. God, covering that thing was just like, holy, every, everything that went wrong. Like I, I covered, like, coming from, I, too, I flew into New England. I, I had a flight out of Philly at 7 a.m. because Bree had a wedding on Saturday. So I was like, all right, I'll do the wedding and then catch a 7 a.m. flight. So I was going on, like, three hours of sleep, hoping for just an easy game. And, of course, Zach Wilson gets hurt. Mike White's in. They lose 54-13. to 13. It was exactly what you don't want when you're sleep-deprived. Um, but when White first went in there, I was kind of in the, what are we getting? Because I didn't think White looked very good during OTA's minicamp training camp. I thought he had some moments during the preseason. But there was a reason why every single one of us who has watched this team, both locally, nationally, people who observed the roster, had executives reach out to me and and ask about the Jets' backup quarterback situation, asked, wondered, and questioned when the Jets were going to go out there and get a veteran, whether it was Nick Foles, whether it was somebody like Andy Dalton, who's a little more proven, or even just someone like Mike Glennon, like the Giants have, or or just a, a backup who's been there, done that, that maybe isn't that good anymore, but at least can can be the guy that if something happens to Zach, he goes in there and he can hold the fort down. He's not going to win you the game, but maybe he's not going to be the reason that you lose a game, and he can at least just keep the ship floating long enough until help arrives you know you're not going to go full titanic with him in there i didn't know what we were going to see from mike white because he'd never been there and and you saw the the first touchdown to Corey davis you saw him engineer a, a touchdown drive on i think it was the first possession of the second half but it was after that things kind of came way back downhill you know i mean you started to see that the overthrow to ryan griffin which ended up in the hands of a patriot defender you started to see some missed throws you started to see some aggression basically once the patriots got a little bit of a book on him. The Mike White hype train, like that initial burst that you usually can get from when another quarterback checks in, it started coming down, 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 down. And and going into this one, I'm fascinated because now you have a team that is pretty good in the Bengals, a team that has a pretty good pass rush, a team that's a, a pretty good defensive team, although they get a lot of hype offensively, as they should. 
having a full week to prepare for Mike White. Now, having that film against the Patriots, being able to go back to his college days, being able to go back to his preseason tape, watch that, figure out what he does well, what he doesn't do well, and then basically bring the house at him and see, hey, how are you going to react? And my expectations are understandably pretty low for this weekend. I mean, it, it's if Mike White can keep this game competitive, I think that's a major feather in his his cap, Joe Douglas's cap, the Jets' cap, and just something that they can they can hang their hat on moving into the Thursday night game against the Colts. Because to expect Mike White to go into a game against the arguably the best team or one of the best teams in the NFL right now in the Bengals, a team that that doesn't have too many weaknesses. They can run the ball and throw the ball on offense. They can stop the run and rush the passer and play some decent coverage on defense. I mean, you saw what they just did to Lamar Jackson. I think that it's going to be a, a tall task for a healthy Jets team, let alone one that's now pretty banged up and starting their backup quarterback. And the only thing that I think maybe the Jets do have going in their favor a little bit is that they did lose 54-13 to to the Patriots, and the, the Bengals did have a massive divisional win over the Baltimore Ravens last week that they could catch uh, Cincinnati in a little bit of a trap game or a little bit of a sleepwalking game. And if they catch them sleepwalking or, or that trap game, as they say, there is that outside chance that potentially they could keep it competitive for a little bit before the Bengals wake up and then drop 30 on the Jets. But even then, I mean, I think you're looking, you're, you're fighting right now for a competitive first quarter, competitive second quarter. I see no, no way the Jets win this one. Unfortunately, competitive first quarters aren't something that the Jets have been very good at this season uh, scoring at all. So Robert Sala's comments this week about about Mike White. Mike has done a hell of a job. He has earned his right to go out there and play on Sunday and show what he's capable of. That all sounds great, but they also signed a veteran quarterback to basically come in if there's slip ups down the road. I mean, this week is Mike White's, but, um, you know, it's not like they're they have the confidence in him that he's the guy for the next four weeks because they brought in the other guy. Now, that said, they bring in the other guy, which is something we've been talking about forever, Connor. They give up a draft pick to get him. And now Joe Flacco, you know, coming in here. Why is it okay now? Like, why not? You had another quarterback on your on your practice squad, right? In Johnson. So why now add Joe Flacco when you didn't want to do it all this other time when you could have just gone with Johnson and White? Well, I will say this. I mean, imagine if the Jets, imagine if Zach Wilson got hurt two weeks from now after the NFL trade deadline and not right now. I mean, he got hurt now. So it's, you were able to go out there and, and actually I should write that down to ask. I didn't even think about that till just now. I got to ask, uh, I've talked to Sal a little bit about that because that doesn't make too much sense to me, but imagine that, right? So, yeah, I mean, they, they, the, what this underscores more than anything else is that the veteran quarterback should have been here the whole time. Is right. that the the Jets base? They, they should have had the veteran quarterback. Whether it was, you know, kind of just biting their knuckles and going out and trading anything for Nick Foles, and then having Nick Foles come in here and be this team's backup. And and yeah, you're gonna pay him a lot of money, but it's still just pay him the money because you know it's valuable to have him here. Whether it was trying to trade for Joe Flacco earlier in the year, maybe it was anyone. I mean, literally anyone else that you could have gone out there and signed and brought in as the backup quarterback. I think that you just it, it this underscores that it should have been done a long time ago. It really should have been done a long time ago because all it took was one injury to Zach Wilson for an extended period of time and now suddenly you feel the need not to elevate Josh Johnson and have him be your long-term backup but to go out there and trade someone. I mean the the argument that 
it, it it should have been done a while ago. Now the the whole let's trade for Joe Flacco thing, like or why didn't we just sign Joe Flacco in the offseason? Why did we trade for him? I mean, signing someone it takes two to tango. It takes I mean, both people want like both parties need to want to come together for the agreement. Joe Flacco didn't want to come to the Jets in free agency, and it had nothing to do with the Jets. He just had an understanding from talking and, and being in negotiations with this team that the Jets were going to draft a rookie quarterback and they were going to play the rookie quarterback. And Joe Flacco wanted to play. So when Flacco observed his opportunities around the league, he saw the Philadelphia Eagles as an opportunity where there was a chance he could play. Not that he would beat Jalen Hurts out during the regular season, but that he had the opportunity to, if Jalen Hurts struggled, he could eventually replace Jalen Hurts as the backup, you know, to go to the backup to the starter when Jalen Hurts struggles and they could go out there. And it looks like that could happen in a week or two where Jalen Hurts is going to go down and then the, the Eagles are going to go to Gardner Minshew, who they traded for. So, I mean, it wasn't that the Jets didn't want Flacco back. They did. I mean, they talked to him. They wanted him back. They just let him know you're back as our backup quarterback and we're going to start our rookie as soon as he's ready. It doesn't matter who looks better in camp. And, and Joe saw a better opportunity for him to start and play in Philadelphia. So that's what he took. But I will say this, there is a, there was a surprising outroar amongst the fan base and even, even media to an extent on why the Jets traded for Flacco when they don't have any intent of starting to him right away. Like they didn't acquire Flacco to start him. So why would you give up a sixth round pick? Go back and look at all of the sixth round picks over the last 10 years. Like, that's who the Jets gave up the right. I mean, how many of those guys hit one out of 32, like every year, if that, like, I mean, it's the sixth round. So you really gave up like a, a scratch off lottery ticket to get somebody that, you know, you're going to bring in here and be a, a veteran. So, I mean, I don't, I like that trading sixth round picks, the amount that like, I've, I've compared this to you guys before. And I've said this to you guys before draft picks to me are like the new car on the lot. And then as soon as you you use them and you drive them off the lot, the value of those draft picks decreases like a bajillion percent. Like you draft somebody in the sixth round, as soon as you get to training camp, you can't even get, you can't get a sixth round pick for that player again. Like it's like, you just can't. It's it's not it's not how the league works. So trading a sixth round pick, I don't give hoopla for. The outroar of like, oh, what was the point in trading for, for Joe Flacco if you're just going to start Mike White? Look, in the Jets' perfect world, and we'll just say this too, like real quickly. There was no shot of Joe Flacco starting this week. Whether he arrived on Wednesday or whether he arrived, I mean, it's ridiculous that he's not showing up until Friday. But whether he arrived on Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Friday, it didn't matter. Like he wasn't going to start this week because this is, I know he has some experience in this type of an offense. He doesn't have any experience with this playbook. So he's not going to be mentally ready to start on Sunday. Like that's just not, ha- it's not going to happen. So the best case scenario is maybe he could have been the backup, but he was never going to start. In the Jets' perfect world, Mike White goes out there on Sunday and leads the team to a victory and throws for like 280, 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, maybe makes an interception or a fumble with a mistake, but like he leads the Jets to a victory. That's the Jets' perfect world. This faith that they have in the backup quarterback, the faith that they said they had in their backup quarterback and why they kept Mike White as the number two throughout the year, it's paid off by him playing really, really well against the Bengals and leading to a victory, or just plays really well against the Bengals and keeps it close. Then Thursday night against the Colts team, he goes out there on a short week and again, plays really, really well. The Jets didn't trade for Flacco to then say, screw you, Mike White. They basically just traded for him as an insurance policy. You know, they're keeping all their ducks in a row. They're making sure that there's no stone unturned. You know, they hope 
which is what Salah said, that Mike White plays really well. And if Mike White plays really well, it doesn't make sense to bench him for the 36, 37-year-old Joe Flacco. They're going to keep riding Mike White. They're going to keep riding the hot hand. But what they did to acquire Joe Flacco, a sixth-round pick, and all they gave up to get him is that if Mike White struggles, if Mike White deals with problems, if the let Mike White movement ends just as early as it began again, they now have somebody that they can say, all right, we gave White a chance. Let's go to Joe Flacco, and we're going to go to Joe Flacco, and we're going to let Joe Flacco play. And yeah, we're not going to have any real upside with Joe Flacco. There's no like ceiling, but he's that quarterback, that stopgap, that that you know, quick fix it. You know, where you've got a a leak and you put duct tape over it until you can really fix the leak. Like it's not going to leak as bad with Joe Flacco in there as it potentially could Mike White. Now, like again, the argument that I would make and the argument that I understand is. You made this trade now. Why the hell didn't you do it before? Why didn't you just have the veteran backup quarterback in here from the jump? Like, why was it not there from the jump? But to be angry that the Jets went and traded a pick for Joe Flacco, I don't get it. And and to be angry that the Jets aren't just starting Joe Flacco, I don't get it. I mean, they're giving Mike White an opportunity to go out there and show he can play in the NFL. Robert Sala, during his press conference, is not going to go out there and say... Look, as soon as he throws like three picks, his ass is out of there. Like, he's not going to do that. He's a player's coach. He's going to keep his faith. He's going to keep making the guy think he's the star. He's going to keep making the guy feel like he can do this and he can win and he can play and he's there. He can be a quarterback in the NFL. And then maybe they can flip him for a draft pick next year because he plays really, really well. And then the Jets can get something for him. Like, they're going to make him feel like that. But they are well aware that there is a very good chance that that doesn't happen. And in the, in the situation, in the reality where Mike White, doesn't cook and Mike White struggles and Mike White looks like how the vast majority of people think Mike White's going to look. Now they have a guy in Joe Flacco who can go in there and just keep the keep things steady until you know Wilson comes back in, in two, three, four weeks. I just think the fact that they're willing to bring in Flacco just to kind of be there and, and maybe be experienced in the room is just more evidence that, like you said, should have been there all along. All right, we have a lot more to get to, uh, health of this team, the Bengals coming up, but first we're going to take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's talk more about this game coming up on Sunday. Jets versus Bengals, a Bengals team that, you know, a couple of years ago was in, in rough shape, had the number one overall pick, drafted Joe Burrow. Last year, he went through some ups and downs, and then wham, look at them this year, five and two. It's kind of exactly what the Jets would love to see. Um, I compiled some numbers, Connor. I took uh, Zach Wilson. i curious st- to hear these. Yeah, Zach Wilson's stats so far, which is through six games, and Joe Burrow's first six games a year ago, which were, you know, before the injury and all of that. Um, so Wilson, 104 for 181, 57% completing percentage, uh, 1,168 yards, four touchdowns, nine picks. That's a 63.5 rating. Uh, he's been sacked 19 times, uh, yards per attempt, 6.45. So Burrow and this year's numbers are, are much better, but this was his first six games. He threw it a ton, 160 for 246, 65% on the completing, uh, 1,617 yards. He had six touchdowns, only four picks, 
but that was an 85 rating. He was sacked 24 times in his yeah. first six games. I mean, no, no, no wonder he got injured later in the year. The yards per attempt, real similar, 6.57. In those six games, Burrow had four 300-yard passing games. Uh, the sacks were obviously brutal. Um, so there's a there's a difference there, but both guys took their lumps. I remember Burrow having some ups and downs, but he also, they let him really sling it. And the Jets, I feel like, have been a little more cautious with what they've allowed Wilson to do. Is that fair to say? I actually, uh, no, I actually, I mean, no. I disagree a little with that one. I mean, okay. I feel like they've let him throw. Like, they've, they've let him, I mean, he's, there's no point sugarcoating it. Like, Zach Wilson's struggling. Like a, a lot of the a, a lot of the problems that the offense is having are the hell is that sound? That's me. Is that me? Right. Construction. Uh, I'm gonna say that's yeah, construction. It's like yeah, you, like I if you worried about us waking up the uh, the toddler or the little baby. That sounds like you got a fright train rolling <laughs> on through. Like my lord. Can we just point out that Connor said toddler. She was born two months ago. <laughs> I mean, is there a difference? They're all the same. Like, it's a baby. It's a toddler. It's an infant. I mean, like, like, when did, when is a When does a kid become a toddler? Like two. Like all right. So I'm a little early. I'm a little premature on the toddler labeling. I'm all, I got to learn all this stuff. I don't have babies around. I am, I'm going to see my godson on. Uh, oh, Marissa, we decided we are we are cop- copying you and Michael. We're doing uh, Ted Lasso. Oh, and, awesome. Um, yeah, I can't so we're wait. gonna we're gonna we have to see who does better. We're yes. gonna have to have a comparison here, yes. and we'll do a poll. We'll yes. do a Twitter poll. We're gonna have our uh, can't wait listeners who, who judge a side by yeah. side of yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so um, excited now. <laughs> yes. So, uh, needless to say, like, um, like that, like Wilson, like I was saying, is, is the Jets have let him throw the ball. Like you can you can criticize Michael Floor, like you can criticize some of the offensive line issues, but the offensive line hasn't been as bad as they were in the opener since really they they did this offensive line reshuffle of Fant left side, uh, Morgan Moses right side, and then uh, Elijah Vera Tucker who's playing out of his mind along with Connor McGovern and then Greg Van Roten. I mean Greg Van Roten is a problem. Greg Van Roten is an issue. Greg Van Roten is causing problems all over the play i mean michael nania uh was the one who i think was the one that first put the clip on that fourth and one like the play should have worked like and 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 i even give lafleur some slack now for running it over the left side like he went to his strength he ran behind mcgovern and he ran behind uh elijah vera tucker and he ran towards fant greg van roten on the other side of the field got beat so bad that the defensive tackle was able to come from the complete other gap and make the tackle for no gain. Like, that just... The the Jets putting their... Fa- and I, I, I we actually talked about this at practice the other day, me and amongst the other media. I mean, the Jets actually did have a contingency backup plan for Greg Van Roten struggling the way that he is. It just blew up in their face because Alex Lewis decided to just leave. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that in week four, if Greg Van Roten was struggling like this, he would have had his ass put on the bench and the Jets would have put Alex Lewis in. Right now, they don't have any other option because Cameron Clark is on the injured reserve. Alex Lewis retired. And I, I swear to God, people have tweeted this to me. You, Yes, it can get worse. Put Dan Feeney in and it will get worse. That dude got benched in a preseason game. That's how bad he is. Like he got benched. The only reason he's on this roster is because the Jets guaranteed him like two or three million dollars. If they didn't have that money tied to him, his ass would have been cut. Like that is a bad, great mullet bad football player and and there is like i mean seriously it, it can get worse trust me it can get where you put dan feeney in there for van roden it gets worse trust me so like it's this is the the lesser of two evils right now it's not a good evil 
if I, I mean, there's no one the Jets can go trade for. Like, no one's going to trade a good offensive guard. So the Jets are kind of just stuck riding this one out until the offseason when they draft the lineman in the first round again and then probably sign someone as well. But that notwithstanding, the Greg Van Roten issue, many of the issues the Jets are having on offense are Zach Wilson related. I mean, he's late on reads. He's turning the ball over. He's holding the ball too long for sacks. He's got the hitch. I mean, some of the pass protection problems. He doesn't make the mic calls. Connor McGovern makes all of those, but he is holding the ball too long, which is leading to sacks. He's not trusting what he's seeing, so he's hitching, which is leading to sacks. Sometimes he's waiting. He has a guy open. He kind of like seems to try to double confirm it in his head. Then he throws it and it's picked off. He's missing easy throws. I mean, Zach Wilson's not playing well. You don't sound the alarms to say like Zach Wilson should be cut. Zach Wilson's a bust. It's his first year. He needs to learn and get better. But Zach Wilson is 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 a a problem for the offense right now. I mean, he's he's struggling. He's in a rut. Maybe this time away will help him, but like he's he's not playing good football at the moment. And that's causing a lot of the Jets problems on offense. Joe Burrow last year, like he dealt with protection issues, like you said. I mean, that was one of the reasons why the Bengals got so much heat for drafting Chase and not Sewell, although that looks like it paid off quite well uh in in uh in the draft this year. But I remember just watching Joe and still seeing things week in and week out where you were like, all right, he's got it. Like the Jet- the Bengals need to put some talent around him. The Bengals need to put better things around him. Cause I've always been like a, a secret Bengals fan. Like I've just, I all, I loved Carson Palmer. Uh, my favorite color is orange. Like I used to start Madden franchises with the Bengals. Like I just loved the way they looked. I thought they, I just, they were like one of my favorite. I just liked the Bengals. And to this day, like I think the Bengals have cool uniforms and I like to see them do well. So I watched them because I liked Burrow and I was like, all right, let's see like Joe Burrow. Like how's he? And I always thought like he just oozed confidence. He oozed swagger. He played well. He made throws. Like there were moments in games in his rookie year where you could say like, this guy's, this guy's got something. I think this guy's got something I believe. And then it's just like, you had to see it. It come to fruition. And when he got hurt, I think that was a major. Oh no. Kind of moment. Like when he went down, and now it's the same thing with Zach Wilson. He went down, but the Bengals continue to build it around them and it continue to build around Burrow. And now you're seeing, obviously, the 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 benefits of it all. So, Connor, we talked a little bit about this before the show started, and you brought this point up. Like, are the Bengals the blueprint for the Jets to follow? Look at what the Bengals were last year, and they're atop the AFC North this year. Yeah, I think, so. you know, what's funny is, is I was kind of looking ahead, talking to my editor about, like, stories for this uh, – after this game, right? Because the one thing that, that we could always write, whether the Jets, if the Jets won, obviously that stole the story. If the Jets got their asses beat, then obviously you write a column about that. But like the one story you always had in your back pocket was the quarterback. Like you could always write Zach Wilson, whether Zach Wilson looked good, whether Zach Wilson looked bad, you could always write the quarterback and people would read it and people would click it. So when Zach Wilson went down, we lost our, our, uh, our, our guaranteed safety net. You know, the writing the quarterback column was, was now gone. Uh, so I was just kind of, you know, bullshitting with stories over, over what we might, we might write after the game. And the one that I came up with was like, look, I mean, this was a Bengals team that in my opinion is the blueprint and Salah mentioned it as well. He mentioned it on without anyone bringing it up, which I found was funny in the press conference that he held on Wednesday. No one brought up the Bengals being a blueprint. No one said is this a blueprint. And Sala brought it up as like the Bengals are a blueprint. Like this is look at what this team's done, and like automatically started trying to connect the lines between Cincinnati and him. And, and you're right. I mean, this was an offense that didn't look too good pre Joe Burrow and didn't look amazing. Like with I mean, but Joe Burrow flashed, but the offense was still in its in its infancy stages, not toddler stages. Uh, in the uh, in in that year last season. Uh, Timmy, I don't know if that's that's not a transition. Damn, 
I don't know what that was, but it was uh, a reference point. I got, it was good. It I'm was getting good. off. Yeah, t- Tim from uh, Tim from NJ Transit. <laughs> um, the uh, it was the uh, I totally lost my train of thought. Like it, um, blueprint. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. The Bengals are like the. It, it was like you saw an offense that was a new new play caller, and the offense wasn't being picked up right away. Young quarterback, a team that had some talent but still needed more talent. I mean, there was a lot of struggles going on with Cincinnati to the point where this year started and you had the quarterback on the hot seat. The, what are they going to do for Joe Burrow? Is Joe Burrow going to be healthy? All those things. And then eventually they have since now taken off. Like you've had the Bengals take off and the Bengals are now a team that looks like one of the best in the AFC. And the jets are kind of following a similar path now where you've got the quarterback. You're struggling a lot the first year with the quarterback, but you've got some pieces around the quarterback and now you just need to continue to build the roster around the quarterback and in year two, year three, you'll see it take off. Um, the problem that I have is, and and we talked about this at practice, is that when I pitched that story to Allison, I was like, this will probably be the post-game story unless the Jets magically win. I've written that before. Like, I'm probably going to write it again. But, like, I wrote it about the Bills last year. And I remember talking about this with Costello. And he was like, yeah, he goes, I actually wrote it when the Jets played the Raiders in, like, 2016. Like, you... There are all these teams that do it, and the Jets have had the blueprint to follow for a while. They just haven't actually followed through on it. Like, they just haven't actually gone through with it. And I don't know. Like, it's, yeah, like, this is a team that made it work. But I think what I always go back to and what I always continue to say is, like, the Jets have the draft picks to turn their team around in a major way. The Jets have the financial cap flexibility to turn their team around in a major way. The Jets have the franchise quarterback where if he develops, they will turn it around in a major way. But that still involves Zach Wilson turning it around in a Joe Burrow-like fashion and not a Sam Darnold-like fashion. That still involves selecting and drafting players in a Cincinnati Bengal-type fashion and not a Miami Dolphin-type fashion because the Miami Dolphins had all of these draft picks as well when they were tanking and when they were tearing it down. They acquired all these picks. They haven't drafted very well. They haven't picked very good players, and that's why the Dolphins have one win. Like, they drafted Tua, thinking Tua, and Tua struggled his rookie year. And they were like, okay, Tua's going to take off. We've got our franchise quarterback. We had all these draft picks. We used all our draft picks. We still have more coming. And look at the Dolphins. So if the Jets don't pick the right players, it doesn't mean anything. If if uh, Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur don't take a jump like the coaches did in Cincinnati, it doesn't mean anything. If Zach Wilson doesn't take his step forward, it doesn't mean anything. So there's like, yeah, you can draw that comparison. Yeah, you can hang your hat on that comparison. But it's not like, oh, the Bengals did it, so the Jets will too. Like you have to, and and it's we've said this on the show a ton. The draft picks are great, but the draft picks mean diddly-poo unless you actually use them correctly. And to this point, you can wonder, have the Jets used them correctly? They've selected what I believe are some good players. I think Elijah Vera Tucker is a good player. I think that... um Elijah Moore is going to be a good player. Mike Carter looks like a serviceable running back in the backfield. Like you've got some starters in, in Brandon Eccles and Mike Carter, the DB. And and that first draft class is still pretty questionable. But at least you still came away with Braden Mann and you still came away with Bryce Hall at the minimum. And there's still some players in there and other guys that were drafted for other schemes. But if you go in the third round this year and find another Ashton Davis, how's that helping your team? You know what I mean? If you find another player like Denzel Mims in the second round who you just you can't find a way to get on the field, how's that helping your team? If you draft another player like Michael P. Ryan, who was active for the first time and got one snap, how's that helping your team? I mean, that's just, it, you have to draft the right players. And 
there's as much evidence that the Jets won't draft the right players as the Jets will draft the right players. And we'll see. All right. We are going to talk a little bit about CJ Mosley and his status for this weekend and our can't wait picks with updated totals. So we will see who is in first place. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. All right. I'm going to try to talk quickly with the noise in the background. Hopefully it's not too disruptive. Oh, it's actually not bad now. (laughs) The, uh, you know, the offense is obviously going to be pushed, the uh, the secondary especially, but how much of a difference will it be having Mosley back as far as just beyond his play, just keeping everybody on the same page? Because that, to me, was the biggest thing in that Patriots game was them just falling apart. It's huge because I, I think, look, I mean, C.J. Mosley is a very good player on the field. He is. I mean, I, I think that he's he's okay in coverage, but he's very good against the run. And he's fast and he's athletic and, and he's, I mean, look, he's, he was a pro bowl, all pro player for a reason, all those years in Baltimore. And, and we talked about this earlier in the week. He, it looks to me very much like whatever rust might've been there from only playing three healthy games in 2000 or three healthy quarters in 2019 and then taking off 2020 when he opted out. It looks like he's knocked that rust off and he's playing some really, really good football. I mean, he's physical, he's violent, he's aggressive, but C.J. Mosley's best attribute, which is one of the reasons why Adam Gase wanted so desperately for the Jets to go out there and sign him, is his leadership, is the fact that when he's on the field, he is another voice, he's another coach, he's a player that everyone else looks to. And it wasn't about necessarily the fact that Jamie and Sherwood could play the Mike linebacker spot and call the plays, or that the Jets would still have Quincy Williams next to him. It's all of the things that C.J. Mosley does pre-snap it's all the things that cj mosley does right before the snap it's everything he does to get everyone lined up correctly and ready to go that the jets were going to lose by not having him out there and look i mean i think the patriots were probably still going to score 30 points on sunday but the 53 54 were a big reason was because cj mosley wasn't out there a lot of the gap misassignments a lot of guys taking the wrong lane in the rushing defense that was C.J. Mosley not being out there. And I think having him back and potentially having Jared Davis back, which will be huge. We'll see what he does in practice today. And we'll see it, see what Salah says when he talks uh, in about 30 minutes here. But if they're able to get C.J. Mosley, they're going to get C.J. Mosley back, which is massive. If they're able to get Jared Davis back as well, I think that'll play a huge role as well. I mean, because you're getting two veteran voices, two veteran guys on that field, guys who have been there, guys who have done that, as I said, similar about the quarterback position having those two voices there, those two vocal guys there, I think you'll it'll have a resounding impact both in front of them with the defensive line and behind them with the secondary because you'll have guys now that forget what they can do as players. They're basically getting two coaches on the field, which the Jets did not have last week, and you saw the result of it. Uh, I thought Franklin Myers' comments this week were telling when he said that basically like since the Titans game, teams have changed their approach to the Jets. Yeah. Screen passes, quick passes. The screen passes have been obvious and terrible. Um, I guess the the question is, sure, of course teams adjusted. So why is it taking the Jets so long to readjust and handle these screen passes? Because against the Patriots, it was bad. Well, the problem is like they're they're a very attacking defense. Like that's their issue is that their problem is that they are a very attack first, see ball, get ball kind. So when the quarterback drops back, the defensive line, the linebackers, all that stuff. Like their their goal is like not, oh, the linemen are sneaking out. Let's this is a screen coming. It's go, attack, get after it. Like that's what they're doing. Like that's what they're taught. So teams have now taken advantage of that aggression by 
causing the Jets, obviously, to come up the field, using the Jets' aggression against them, and then dumping it over their head for screen for big gash plays. And and we've talked to Jeff Ulbrich about this. He said, like, they're okay giving up the screen passes. They're okay giving up those plays. As long as those screen passes go for five, six, seven yards, the problem right now, as he said, is that the Jets are giving them up for 20, 30, 40 yards. The teams are gashing them. So it's it's I think it's more about adjusting your mentality of being like, yeah, aggressive, 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 go, 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 but also doing it in a disciplined fashion. So like when you see when you're just let into the backfield, when you're just allowed to pass right on through, think for a second there might be a reason for that. And then just give like the quick glance back, see if the screen's leaking out and then go play that defense that way because they're they're getting in trouble in that way. And and look, the defense, the NFL is a, it's a chess match. It's it's about doing what you think your opponent's going to do. And that's why those first one, two, three weeks, you kind of have teams play you one way because there's no real film on you. And after those first couple of weeks, they make changes because they see the film. They see what you do well. And then they counteract to it. And they try to take away what you do well. And when the Jets had those 14 quarterback hits, seven of them being sacks against the Titans, teams realized like, okay, if we drop back and hitch, the Jets are going to get home. It doesn't matter that they don't have Carl Lawson. It doesn't matter they don't have a name edge rusher. John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, the way they disguise their pressure package, they usually only bring four or five guys, but you don't necessarily know which four or five are coming. If we hitch, they're going to get home. So we got to know and we got to train and we got to get our quarterbacks to say that you have a clock. And once it gets to this time, that ball has to be out or you're going to be hit and you're going to be going down. And the Falcons were the first team to say like, okay, let's make an adjustment here. And Matt Ryan really wasn't touched. He got the ball out a lot. You saw that 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 was a Falcon team that was able to expose the Jets secondary, even without Calvin Ridley. The Patriots very much did the same thing. That ball was out of Mac Jones's hand pretty quickly, and he was able to expose the Jets secondary. Teams are now realizing that if you don't hold the ball and you get the ball out, you can take advantage of some of this stuff. And and now it's just a matter of how are the Jets going to counteract to that? Is it just that they got to get home? Is it tighter coverage? What is it? And, and we got to see because the defense the last two weeks, with or without, because they had Mosley against the, the Falcons. They didn't obviously have him against the Patriots. It's been starting to get gashed a little bit. It really is. And and even the Titans gashed him too. If it wasn't for those sacks, I mean, it, they they got gashed quite a bit as well. So now it's a matter of how are the Jets going to gonna flip the script on that. All right, time for our pick segment. Thanks to BetMGM, our partner at The Athletic, uh, for the lines and all of that. Uh, the standings, we finally compiled them. Connor, you're leading the way, 12-6. and six. Marissa is 11-7, and seven, one game back. It's been a rough go yeah, for back me. Back-to-back back sweeps, right? Marissa's yeah. back-to-back sweeps? Yeah, um, she's rolling. No, uh, I had... I two was, out of three. Yeah. I was 3-0, yeah. 2-1, and one, and 3-0 and in the past three weeks. Good run. I am run. seven and ten and one, back to back two and one. So I've kind of righted the ship a little bit, but a long way to go. So you're up, Connor. Who you got this week? All right. So I'm usually not too too big of a fan of betting against the home dogs, but I just like this Kansas City Chief at Giants line way too much to stay away from it. It was ten and a half. Now it's down to nine. I mean, look, this is this is a pissed off Chiefs team. I think this this is a Chiefs team that is kind of been embarrassed a little bit the last couple of weeks and and you know the Giants might have a chance to to play the home dog and 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 keep this game close if this was a situation where the Chiefs were you know six and one and just blowing everyone out and they were going to look past the Giants I don't see that happening so I didn't like the line as much when it was 10 10 and a half but at nine 
All the Chiefs got to do is win by a touchdown and a field goal, and they cover that bet. So I like that one a lot. So I'm going to take the Chiefs minus nine in this one. Uh, that's one of my bets. My second one that I'm going to go with, Patriots at Chargers. Patriots going across the country. Chargers coming off the bye week, if I'm not mistaken, last week. Uh, I like that line at minus four. I don't think the Patriots are a very good team. I definitely don't think they should have beaten the Jets 54-13. to I think that score got way away from the Jets in the fourth quarter when the Patriots ran it up. Um, I just think the Chargers are a really good football team. I really do. I think they've got a great offense. I think they got a good defense. And I think that it's going to be a, a, a come-back-down-to-earth game for New England after a really big victory over the Jets. So I, I like the Chargers a lot at, at uh, minus four. And then the other game I like as well is is the is the, the Washington football team at the Denver Broncos. Generally, I don't like betting the, the road team in mile high, but I also made the mistake of betting the Broncos against a Cleveland team basically without every single person on their offense, and they still won that game and covered. So I'll take the, uh, the Washington football team plus three and a half against the Broncos. Basically, all they have to do is lose by a field goal or win, and they still win that game. So I like that one a lot, so give me that line. So I go Chiefs minus nine. Chargers minus four, and then uh, Washington plus three and a half. Well, I will have to give a shout out to the athletic Shilkapadia because his picks have been doing really well. And uh, not going to lie, I have been consulting his picks before I make my own. So with that said, I'm going to don't tell my birds with friends listeners, but I'm going to pick the Lions plus three and a half first Eagles. Um, I like that line, too. Yeah, I, I, I like we were discussing this before the show started. The Lions have been, you know, they're. 0-7, but they've been trying some funky things and really uh, really doing some interesting things out there. So, I, And the Eagles are not looking too good. So Lions plus three and a half. Um, I'm going to go Bill. This is a big one, but I don't know. We also discussed how the Dolphins have been looking terrible. So I'm going to go Bills minus 13 and a half. Where's the Dolphins? And this one I'm not as confident in, but we're going to go with it anyway. Titans plus one and a half at the Colts. All right, and then uh, for my picks, two of mine uh, head-to-head, not head-to-head with Connor, but same games as Connor. Uh, I like the Chiefs as well, minus nine. I feel like they're just ready to finally have that big blowout win. Um, I actually take the Patriots. I don't think they win going cross-country to play the Chargers, but with plus four, I think they keep it within a field goal. I think they found some swagger in the route of the Jets, and they've been playing. They played the Cowboys tough the week before that. So I think that the... Patriots keep that one close. And then finally, uh, Vikings minus two and a half versus Dallas. Uh, That is my third one. That's going to do it uh, for this edition of the Can't Wait podcast. We'll be back early next or mid next week, right? Is that what we said, guys? Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. After the trade deadline. Yep. Okay. We'll be back after the trade deadline. We'll talk about the deadline, obviously, what the Jets do or don't do. And we'll also recap the Bengals game on that one and get you ready for Thursday night as the Jets play midweek. We'll talk to you again then. Can't wait.